Welcome to the Let's Talk Autism podcast. I'm Michelle Davey. And I'm Christelle. And it's Monday the 29th of March. The start of World Autism Awareness Week. And this is the Let's Talk Autism podcast marathon. This week, as part of the National Autistic Society's Super 7 Challenge, we will be recording seven podcasts a day for the seven days of World Autism Awareness Week. That's 49 podcasts in a week. It sure is. We better get on with it, Christelle. Let's go. Roll tiles. Welcoming on to the Let's Talk Autism podcast marathon, we have got successful multi-selling author Rachel <laughs> Dove with us. Thank you, Hi, Rachel. Hello. Hi. Did you like your big intro there, Rachel? Loved it. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's been a while, Rachel. We haven't had a little catch up for a while. So this is a good opportunity for us all to have a, a good old chin wag and see what you've been up to. Yeah, it's been a, a very, very strange year, hasn't it? So I know we've not had much chance to catch up because life has been so crazy, hasn't it? And amplified. And how's things been with you? You have got two autistic sons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've got two, obviously, autistic sons. And last time we had our chat, I was getting them through the HCP process and everything and battling with the primary school and looking forward to high school. Yeah, you had a really bad primary school experience. Didn't yes, you? yeah, it was horrendous. Um, and the upshot of it was that we managed to get the HCP paperwork through the week of lockdown. Oh, wow. So we were so lucky. I know a lot of families have um, had theirs pushed back a lot and it's really, really sad to see how the pandemic's affected everything. So we were really lucky to have the funding. But then um, he didn't go back to school because I, as soon as Friday, I think it was the last day of the school, my kids didn't go in from the Monday because I just pulled them out and said he weren't going back. I didn't have confidence in them looking after him, especially with the fact that he could be quite volatile in school. And I just felt that with the pandemic, they just weren't going to look after his needs. Did that affect the funding at all or did the school have to provide some kind of provision for him at home we had the normal homeschooling and we had more regular check-ins and things and they did offer support but at that point the relationship had just broken down as such and I just declined everything and basically um just made sure that he was involved in the leaving experience and they got hoodies printed out and everything so I just made sure he was in that but he didn't go back to school he basically was off all from March until September going back to high school and how's he been now he started in secondary school is he amazing that? absolutely oh, is it amazing. mainstream Rachel it's mainstream yeah it's yeah. a big academy um and he's absolutely loving it his teachers are loving him he does not get into trouble at all it's just a different child the child that I know and that I always mm. said was there but yeah, yeah. he absolutely loves it and what pride. kind of what kind of things are they, um, the secondary school doing differently that the primary school were unable to, to do? To say that they're obviously a much larger school, their communication from day one and in terms of transition and planning, they were contacting me to arrange meetings. When do you hear that? You know, they were contacting me to say, let's get these meetings in place. So it was just a different world. It really was. So, yeah, I didn't have to chase for anything. They were really on the ball. Any issues? It was just, obviously, it's by email and things, but they were just so more, so much more receptive. And the Senko at the school is, she's just a legend, basically. I just think that makes all the difference. Oh, that's fantastic so, to hear. Yeah. How do the boys get on with each other, Rachel? And how do their needs differ and how are <clears> they similar? So my eldest is um, he's just turned 13, so he is more Asperger's. So obviously they don't diagnose anymore. It's just straight ASD, isn't it? So 
Um, but the consultant actually did say he presents as Asperger's, but obviously we don't write it down. And it does present and as what Asperger's. Is, sorry, what is Asperger's for those who don't know? Asperger's is, is it's a form of autism, but in Jade, in Jaden's case, it obviously he it's more the monotone speaking, um, the lack of eye contact, the lack of wanting to touch. In lockdown, basically, he, he was living his best life. He loved it. Loved every minute of lockdown. He really did. <laughs> um, the issue was him going back to school and settling. Um, which we had great fears about because basically he would have lived in his pants in his house for the rest of his life because this is his safe place but yeah they both gone back to school and it, it has been amazing so um so he presents more as Asperger's whereas my other son is much more tactile um and he goes the other way so he's actively seeks out sensory hugs and cuddles and so the pandemic's affected him in a different way and he's been very upset. How did you explain it to him, Rachel? Like, you know, would they, they understand it? I've always been really honest with my kids and kind of spoke to them on a on a level. I've treated them like young adults. So I just kind of broke it down that way and just sat them down and then just said, I've, I've, you know, do you have any questions? And like one of them just basically said, do I have to go to school then? When the answer was no, it was like, great, that's fine. See you later. But my youngest, he really hated it he missed his friends and he missed his grandparents a lot and he found it hard but both of them did actually when you could do like doorstop hellos and things they didn't want to do that because it was the fact that they couldn't hug them they couldn't hug their relations and I think that just highlights how non-stereotypical autism is because obviously we don't we, you know we were shown well we're told that autistic people don't do that but it's not the case they were they were like I don't want to see them because I can't bear not to hug them no yeah. So that is, and that broke my heart, you see, so, but we had the FaceTime and everything, so obviously um, my eldest wasn't, he's not a fan of FaceTime, so you no. maybe get a seat, maybe get a ceiling, um, yeah. but you could still speak to him. My youngest, obviously, he was always on FaceTime and he just rings family members independently anyway, so, so it did affect them in very different ways, to be honest. With the, regards to sort of like the FaceTime, and <clears> my, my son doesn't like that. Um no. Yeah, and when they sort of done the online classrooms, my son was at school, but I just knew like there's no way yes. that and done that <clears> at home yeah. in an online classroom, and that was your boys similar. Yes, they did not like the cameras on at all, and obviously if the teachers were saying to them, "You've got to put your cameras on," they were saying, "No, I'm not." So, um, and obviously I've seen it from the other side because obviously I've been teaching, so I've done the online school while my kids have basically just not been doing their lessons and not really engaging. But I've noticed that engagement across the board has gone, you know, it has gone down. It did go down in the pandemic. And a lot of it is down to obviously accessibility issues and parents being able to sit with the child every day because not everybody can do that, as we know. It, it is definitely a barrier for SEM, definitely. Oh, thanks so much, Rachel. Always a pleasure to speak to you and we wish you all the best. Thank Bye. you very much.